Seminar Pocket Mentor, a podcast brought to you by the Association of Academic Physiatrists Medical Student Council. This podcast is a resource for medical students to learn more about physical medicine and rehabilitation and to guide them toward a rewarding career in the field. My name is Colin Byrne. I'm currently Secretary of the AAP Medical Student Council and a fourth-year medical student at the Northern Ontario School of Medicine in Sudbury, Canada. In this episode of the PMNR Pocket Mentor, I spoke with Dr. Shamil, PMNR Program Director at McMaster University. Dr. Shamil is also Medical Director of the Inpatient Spinal Cord Injury Program at the Regional Rehabilitation Centre in Hamilton, Ontario, and Physiatry Consultant for the Hamilton General Hospital Spine Unit. That's all for introductions. Let's get moving. Being a person with substantial professional responsibilities, I asked Dr. Shamil how she spends most of her time. I certainly would say that, you know, majority of my outside of clinical practice time is consumed by being program director. Um, it is it is quite a large job and we do have one of the largest programs in the country. So usually it runs around 18 residents, plus or minus two fellows. So it, it does tend to keep me quite occupied. And as you well know, we're now rolling out CBD or competency by design. And we've had a number of meetings in Ottawa, so I had to attend those. Over the last year, year and a bit, I spent about 10 days in Ottawa with program directors from all the other programs, and we essentially developed a new curriculum and training objectives. So that was quite time-consuming. It involves also teleconferences and a number of emails, and you know, and it is uh, quite an important endeavor. We roll out July 2020. But we also work with postgraduate department here at McMaster to, you know, prepare for that because there's a number of steps that have to be undertaken, committees developed, and also faculty recruitment for the various positions. So that's pretty much been my focus. And then the other role we didn't mention, I guess, in the introduction is that I'm a mom of two very busy boys who are seven and nine. So that certainly completes my schedule. (laughs) Hamilton is home to a large and beautiful new regional rehabilitation center. Dr. Shamil started her career before this center was operational. I asked her about the transition. I came to Hamilton at the age of 19 and never left. So I did all of my training, including undergrad uh, degree at McMaster, medical school, residency, and now work. So prior to this center, we were at Shadok. So the Shadok site was one of the original Hamilton hospitals. And then subsequent to that, you know, acute care moved out of Shadok and that became the rehabilitation site. We still had sort of a small x-ray department and there were some other sort of subacute uh, services. We had child psychology there, a number of other uh, services, but ultimately that site was eliminated, just closed down due to age, um, I suppose. And then we were moved down here to this beautiful new building and the other services were redistributed uh, all over the city. I asked Dr. Shamil what factors students may want to consider when selecting their residency program. I think, you know, certainly the size of the program, perhaps, and and that's both uh, number of residents and number of faculty. um, And that's also shaped by uh, potentially the medical school you attended. So, uh, you know, for example, the McMaster um, Medical School certainly lends itself to the format we tend to teach in. So group learning, you know, problem based learning. Um, but but it's also large. So, you know, McMaster is a bigger medical school, as is U of T. Um, and, and perhaps that isn't for you. Perhaps you would learn better in a smaller uh, program where the, um, arguably there's perhaps more one-on-one attention, although you'd really have to research that because it's all about the ratio of faculty to students. And then, you know, also if, if you have any idea potentially in terms of the field or the subspecialty of 
physiatry that you want to pursue. So we do have a lot of candidates coming in who know they really like injections or procedures and they really want exposure to ultrasound and or ultrasound guided procedures, which sort of narrows down your programs because not not every program is is very strong in that area. Perhaps, you know, cancer rehabilitation is your thing. And then again, that really narrows down the number of programs because there's only two or three in the country who have cancer rehab and so forth. So pediatric rehab, for example, same same issue. So, you know, Ottawa is traditionally quite well known for pediatric rehab. We now have a pediatric physiatrist. And if you have no idea whatsoever, then the other thing to consider is geography. I think, you know, any residency program in the first few years is, is quite an adjustment. The work schedule is quite tough. So I think you should be reasonably, if possible, you know, uh, close to family or friends or some sort of support network. If you thrive just on your own and exploring new, you know, cities or new areas and you want to move halfway across the country, then that's great as well. Then presumably you know that for yourself. But I would say that a lot of residents try and gravitate towards an area where they have some friends or somebody they know or an aunt or family or or somewhere they've been before and they and they know that a bigger city is more suited to their lifestyle or they don't want the traffic and they want sort of a more quieter environment. I always say to medical students also look at the costs because, you know, your uh, salary is province based. You know, your income earned in Toronto will take you <laughs> not as far as income earned in, let's say, Kingston for Queens. The, the cost of living is very different in the major cities. So, you know, that may indeed be a factor if you have a lot of student debt and also the sort of feasibility of commuting. Because, for example, in Hamilton, as I mentioned to you, it's growing rapidly. So, you know, back in the day, let's say when I was going through residency, you could get from one hospital to the next in under seven minutes. That is definitely not the, <laughs> the case currently. Still not as bad as Toronto, let's say. And you can still drive your car here and park and, you know, reasonably get around. Versus, you know, Vancouver or Toronto, you're pretty much going to be reliant on the subway and uh, public transportation because otherwise traffic is, is quite a challenge. From the point of view of a medical student, the residency application process can be a stressful time. Ask Dr. Shmiel what the process looks like from a program director's perspective. Just a note to non-Canadian listeners, CARMS, the Canadian Resident Matching Service, is equivalent to the American Electronic Residency Application Service in the National Residency Matching Program. I was involved in the CARM selection process and committee for, I'd say, well over five years before, you know, this this last year was my first time as program director. It, it is a little bit different, a little bit more stressful. Certainly the level of responsibility rises. But, you know, we get the applications shortly after the CARM's deadline closes. So November, December. And then essentially, uh, because the IMG ap applicants are a lot more numerous than the Canadian applicants, I usually have the help of uh, our committee, the CARM Selection Committee, to look through those applications. And this year for the Canadian applicants, yes, I undertook that myself. And then we offer a number of interviews. I also have, I'm very appreciative of our administrative staff who then sort of correspond with the candidates to uh, work out an interview schedule. And then I myself take on the responsibility of organizing the interview panel. So we've done a panel interview for well over 10 years now. And this was the last year we're doing the panel interview. We're actually going to venture out into the multiple mini interviews. And we've debated the merits of both formats. I'm not sure if I'm sold on the multiple mini interviews, but, you know, it, it's a bit of peer pressure. It appears that every other program in the country is doing the same. And there are certain inherent advantages. So first and foremost, you interview all candidates in one day as opposed to 
The shortest we could do it in is two days for, say, Canadian graduates, and we had one day for IMGs. So you do tend to lose a bit of continuity between the two days because we would do, let's say, two subsequent Wednesdays. So, you know, um, on the second Wednesday in the afternoon, let's say it was kind of hard to compare the candidates to the ones who interviewed a week prior and at 8 a.m., so this time around, we're going to interview all the candidates in one day. And I, and I think it might be an advantage for the candidates themselves because the comparison will be quite direct as opposed to trying to recall their particular attributes or interpersonal skills and so forth. In the 2019 Canadian resident match, there were 30 positions in PMNR, 28 of those available to Canadian graduates and two dedicated to international medical graduates. There were 34 Canadian applicants who applied to PMNR as their first choice residency and 26 of these matched to PMNR programs. Of those who matched, there was an even number of males and females. So it does fluctuate a little bit. Um, I would say it is becoming an increasingly popular program, but roughly for, we have three spots for the Canadian graduates and roughly between 30 to 40 applicants. This year, I believe we had about 34 or 36. And then the, for the international spot, the IMG, we have one spot and it's typically anywhere between 70 to 90 applications. Wow, quite competitive. It is a very competitive um, world, if you will. Yep. How many of those applicants end up being interviewed? Typically for the three Canadian spots. This year in particular, you know, I really try to drill it down to under 20. It's just I don't think there is any utility in interviewing more than three candidates per spot. If you think of it as a ratio. And I must say the caliber of the applicants is sort of rising year by year and, and their resumes sound very similar. <laughs> Essentially, if I don't see sort of an apparent interest on the application or um, some exposure to physiatry or electives um, or some interest in the geography, if you will. So if somebody has done all their electives out west or out east and hasn't really come to Ontario, then, you know, not as competitive as somebody from the area who has potentially taken the time to visit our center or get to know the faculty or the residents, etc. But, but none of it is a guarantee. It's just that sort of a general screening tool, if you will. I asked Dr. Shmiel to describe some common experiences of successful applicants. Essentially, most of these candidates have had multiple exposures, and maybe not long, but the, you know, even they've done a horizontal elective where they spend a couple of clinics with an individual, and then they had a longitudinal experience where they spend a week, and you know, and then they went to conferences or they saw sort of multiple aspects of the field. So it is quite rare for somebody to apply and be successful. I must say, if they've done like a one-week elective in the field and that was it. So, so yes, we are noticing that candidates are quite knowledgeable and quite experienced in the field when they're applying. When I was applying for away electives this year, I had heard different things from other medical students about whether it is better to do most or all of your electives in the specialty you hope to go into, or whether you should use the opportunity to gain exposure in related fields. I asked Dr. Shmiel for her thoughts on this. Everybody's a little bit different and, and individual. Some people essentially need to prove to themselves that perhaps, you know, although interested in the, we call them sister fields, right? So, or brother fields, whatever you may want to call it, but they're very related to us and exactly the fields you mentioned, orthopedics, rheumatology, um, neurology, and, and mostly because we all sort of look at the musculoskeletal system. Uh, the approach to treatment is very similar. You know, the diagnoses may be a little bit different. But there is um, arguably a big hands-on component. There's procedures. Um, so, so at times that might be a tough choice. Um, I would say if you're definitely decided that physiatry is for you, then you should probably, you know, take the opportunity to explore as much as you can in the field. 
Um, but if you yourself are not certain, there's something, you know, nothing inherently wrong in um, exploring other sister or, or brother programs, as mentioned. And you could bring that to the interview and say, you know what, because of the procedural aspect, I really wanted to try one more orthopedic selectives and, and see if that's maybe a better fit. And um, and then depending on what you decide, let's say you thought, well, it was great, but actually the OR is not where I thrive and I long for the patient contact or the chronic follow-up or something to that extent. So we certainly heard all stories. And like I said, there is no magic formula and there's no, there's no guarantee for lack of better terminology, um, as long as you have had sufficient exposure to physiatry. But if you're decided, then I would send, then it's really down to the individual program and what, uh, what's the best fit. Is it a better program, uh, sorry, a bigger program, a smaller, do you want more faculty, less faculty? So that would be more to your advantage as opposed to making your application stronger, let's say. There are many components of the application that a residency program may evaluate a student on. Academic performance, extracurricular activities, engagement in scientific research, reference letters, etc. Ask Dr. Schmiel what parts of the application students may overemphasize the importance of and what parts they may not pay enough attention to. Test scores are a bit rough, especially for the Canadian graduates, right? Because our system is largely qualitative um, in, in terms of assessment at the medical school level. And essentially, the only thing you may potentially have to go on is the um, LMCC part one, which is also largely pass or fail. So certainly scores come into play a little bit more for the international graduates. For the Canadian, it's mostly we sure we look at um, your undergraduate evaluations and so forth, but it's not really a score per se that we're concerned about. And again, you know, research is, is sort of a tough one because a lot of applicants may have vast research experience from their undergraduates. So if they had a master's degree or their PhD. It sort of lends itself to continuing perhaps research throughout medical school. But if a student just had a bachelor, not just, but if a student had a bachelor of, let's say, science and gone to medical school three years in and then did medical school, let's say, at McMaster or is it Calgary? That's also a three-year program, I believe. Then they just don't have the time. And, and we realize that, um, you know, so, so we try not to fall prey to the, let's say, ageism um, issue. By virtue of being older and a more experienced uh, student, you will have a vaster, you know, research portfolio. There isn't really one factor that we look at and there isn't uh, an absolute. So, okay, fair enough. You must graduate from a medical school. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's not like if you have absolutely no research whatsoever, we would never look at your application. That definitely does not hold true. I'm sure there are other areas in your application that where you exceed. So there isn't one single factor that, that definitely is a make it or break it. You know, arguably the interview and, you know, and that is a skill much like anything else. And that is something that can be trained, you know, and people get nervous and we realize that. Um, but I would put a bigger emphasis on preparation. So whether it's practicing answering questions, you also don't want to rehearse. You don't want to be a robot but just sort of being comfortable in that setting being comfortable being asked questions and there are common interview questions our panel interview questions were not extraordinary by any means so just preparation and just ease of speaking and demonstrating interpersonal skills because physiatry as you know there's a lot of counseling there's a lot of patient contact and you can be great at injections but if you can't do a thorough good history and make the patient comfortable you won't do very well That's all for this episode. Thanks to our guest, Dr. Shamil, and to the Medical Student Council and the AAP for their support of the Pocket Mentor podcast. In future episodes, I'll be speaking with other physiatrists around Canada. Also, stay tuned for upcoming episodes from Barbara Kosminski and Neil Rakesh. 
Thanks to you for listening. And if you found the podcast helpful, please share it with other medical students interested in the specialty. Don't forget to follow the AAP and the Medical Student Council on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to stay informed of news and opportunities. Thanks again. Thanks again.